Mask Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Off and rolling again with the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs in college and pro football. We're back. We're on the air, and things are getting really good here in November as part of Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat humble host. He is... Senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers back with me for another week. How are we feeling? Doing all right. Felt good with Wake Forest last week, up 10 nothing over Syracuse, and then the rest of the game happened. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, whatever. You know, you go 3-0 and two weeks ago, fall back to earth last week. I mean, NFL was so tough for everyone. You know, if you took the dogs last week, if you faded the public, you know, you – you got your, as they say, got your lunch handed to you in uh, in the NFL. It was really tough last week. Just take the Chiefs, take the Bears, blow out. Thank you, you know, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this week. Yeah, for sure. We both struggled with NFL predictions. I don't want to talk about my Buccaneers continuing to dig themselves such a huge hole. Although I thought for a bit that Fitzmagic was going to be working and the Bucks would get that game tied with Carolina as I took the Bucks for one of the rare times on Three Dog Thursday did not end up working out. You did have Missouri last week against the Gators who got off to the fast start and then they played the rest of the game and Missouri dominated uh, in Gainesville. So I don't know what that says about the depth of the SEC. I don't know if it means that Florida maybe isn't as good as we thought they were because they beat LSU. I don't know. But Missouri, good call. Kevin Rogers on that. I had Northwestern, who was hanging around with Notre Dame, uh, but ended up not being able to cover, even though they were getting the 9.5 points. The Irish still were able to cover that line. Stanford, I took the 10 and Stanford uh, in the game with Washington, and they did end up covering with a second-half comeback after trailing big. So this was the 10th time in 11 weeks, kids, as you listen to us on Three Dog Thursday. However you found us through RadioInfluence.com, whether you're subscribing on iTunes, go ahead and do that. Subscribe on Stitcher, Google Play, tune in. That way the show comes automatically to you. Ten times in 11 weeks now of doing these predictions on Three Dog Thursday that Kevin and I have come up with three uh, or with at least two underdogs, I should say, in college football. So, uh, again, pay attention here in this opening segment to the college picks uh, as we have them and as they roll on. We've had multiple weeks, I believe it's four of them, where we've gotten at least three underdogs, correct? Two of them, though, last week. Let's see what happens for this week. Underdog picks in a moment. New college football playoff ranking out. Kevin Rogers on Tuesday evening. Uh, No surprise, uh, really, in the top four. We knew LSU would fall out after being blasted by Alabama. More on that later. Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, now Michigan 4. Seems about right. Yes, you're fine with that so far? So good? Uh, Michigan only the one loss? I have no problem with that. I mean, Michigan lost to Notre Dame, who's in that top four back in week one. Alabama, obviously, is locked up. Clemson, even though their schedule has not been great, you see what they've done the last few weeks. They've been dominating, you know, so I don't have a problem with any of it. And obviously, we knew LSU, with that loss, was going to fall out. But, you know, top three teams, undefeated, all should be there. And I don't have a problem with Michigan. And you know what? For Michigan, 
they control their own destiny. If they end up beating Ohio State and they win the Big Ten, they should be in the top four. If they lose to Ohio State, you know, that's probably going to flip. And if for some reason Ohio State gets knocked out in the Big Ten title game, however it, it works, then maybe they get jumped. But uh, this is exactly how it should go. Now, you know, if any of the other three teams lose, that will definitely shake things up. But uh, I have no problem with Michigan being in there, number four. All right, on the subject of Notre Dame, they do have Florida State this week at home. Not quite on the same level as the Titanic showdown uh, with the the Charlie Ward-led Seminoles back in the 93 regular season and Notre Dame upsetting them. Not quite on the same level for Florida State with the way that they have struggled. But nonetheless, Notre Dame number three in the country, and they will play their final home game in South Bend in this one because they will play next week against Syracuse at Yankee Stadium, which Syracuse may be a little dangerous in that matchup, and then USC in the rivalry game in the final game at the Coliseum. Do you believe... What is your opinion that if Notre Dame finishes with these three more victories, 12-0, and they're in the top four, no matter what else happens, with who else undefeated, the Irish are going to be in controlling their own destiny? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to think so. You know, again, you know, granted they're not in a conference, but we know who Notre Dame is and who they have on the schedule. And, you know, I'm not going to blame them for Florida State, you know, considering Florida State's been terrible this year. I'm not going to blame them for USC, who has been up and down, this year and then you look at it kind of like in a makeup Syracuse has been really good so you know people probably would have thought going into the year that Florida State was going to be a good win if they got it and Syracuse who cares because they're mediocre but really Syracuse has been a quality team they should have beat Clemson earlier in the year and you know they beat NC State at home a few weeks ago so you know if they end up winning these three I don't see why they shouldn't be in the top four well, and again, Ian Book, outstanding uh, as they went on the road. They played Northwestern last week. They also have the win over Stanford. They have the win over Michigan if they end up getting the wins. I mean, that's a, essentially a neutral site game at Yankee Stadium. They get that win. They get a win at USC. I don't know how you can argue with the strength of schedule. And look, I'm no Notre Dame homer. Most of the years I'm knocking them. But right now under this scenario, they're tested, they're undefeated, and it looks like they're going to be in. But strange things are going to happen. Come on, I mean, you agree with me, Kevin. There are, there are losses that are going to be coming in the next two or three weeks. I don't know if it's Alabama. I don't know if it's Clemson, but there are going to be losses to shake up this top seven and and things start to skirt around. And we wonder if UCF doesn't get into the conversation at some point, uh, the Knights at 12 in the college football playoff ranking. But this thing isn't going to stay with everybody winning out. One more comment, right? There are going to be some losses here in the next three, four games. I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson lost to Boston College. Seriously, Clemson's done this the last two years. They've been a three-touchdown favorite. They lost to Pitt two years ago at home. They lost last year at Syracuse as a huge favorite. No one expected it. Boston College is a good team. You know, I could see them maybe getting tripped up and Clemson coming off these two blowout wins over FSU and Louisville the last two weeks that maybe they let their guard down. Who knows? Yes, you're right. That there are times that you know we think it's already paid. The roads paid for these teams, and then somehow they get tripped up, and then it messes everything up. That's why we love the underdogs. Do I sense? Do I? Do I smell a potential underdog from Kevin Rogers uh, that he's already going to be taking in college football? Let's find out. Where do you want to go first with an underdog selection for this week? Well, I will not be taking BC. Just ah, everybody know that, that's, that's like a, a receiving tease. vote. Pick. Such a tease. So, uh, All right. Yeah. 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 So that, that's an extra one. But uh, I'm going to start off in the Big Ten with Maryland. They're at Indiana this week. They're a short underdog. And first off with Maryland, I kind of liked Michigan State last week. 
thinking that DJ Jerkin was going to coach and then the whole thing got turned upside down because Maryland got the pressure, which they should have to fire Durkin after, you know, the situation in the off season with, with their offensive linemen dying, you know, of heat stroke, the practicing too hard, all this other right. stuff. But, uh, you know, I didn't end up pulling the trigger on that, and then Michigan State ended up pounding Maryland. I think after that tough week last week, and now they can kind of reset things, Maryland has not lost back-to-back games this year. They've been very good with with the Durkin cloud away from them, and now it's definitely away from them. Then I think there was a tough week last week. Now they play Indiana, who really hasn't been good after a strong start. They're only winning the stretch has been against Rutgers, I believe. So I think Maryland will bounce back this week, and I think that they'll beat Indiana. You did have Maryland all the way back at the beginning of the year uh, with the upset of Texas. So you've gone to the Terps once before. It, it still takes getting used to. I know it's been years that that's a Big Ten matchup, Maryland, Maryland and Indiana. It's kind of like watching Nebraska uh, last week with Ohio State. Nebraska was winning that game in the first half, right in the game in the second half, and you've got to keep reminding yourself that's not the old Big Eight Nebraska. They're now in the Big Ten as they have been for years. All right, so there is your your first underdog for this week. I am going to, speaking of Michigan State and speaking of Ohio State, I'm going to stick with the Big Ten theme, and I am going to go with the Michigan State Spartans. I love Sparty at home. I know Dwayne Haskins has been fantastic throwing the ball. Ohio State's defense, though, not very good. Um, let's see if Ben Werke, the quarterback at Michigan State, and they can uh, muster some offense. They already have the win over Penn State. They beat Purdue. I mean, again, follow the dots. Purdue beats Ohio State decisively at home. Michigan State beat Purdue a couple of weeks ago. I like the Spartans at home in East Lansing in what could be a low-scoring uh, dogfight type game. I, this is one of those games when you're looking at the top seven at the top ten and everybody's thinking, well, everybody's just going to win out. Don't think so. I think Michigan State is going to get Ohio State in this early noon matchup uh, in the Big Ten. I'll take the three points and the Spartans in this one. I know everybody's pointing to, to Ohio State hosting Michigan with both of them with one loss. I don't think it's going to happen, Kevin Ryan. I mean, it'd be a huge, huge game for the Big Ten if it does happen. I don't think it is going to happen. So uh, we'll see on that front. Where do you want to go next with another college underdog? I'm going to go to the Pac-12. The Colorado Buffaloes have been bad the last few weeks. There's no other way to, to say it. They were 5-0. and They've lost four straight. They had that terrible meltdown loss to Oregon State at home. They were up huge, and they ended up losing in overtime. They went back and forth with Arizona last week and lost that Friday night game. So Colorado's just trying to get back to life now, and they're at home. They're an underdog as a really good Washington State team that's trying to get to the Pac-12 title game, and who knows you know, if they get to the Rose Bowl or, or however it works out for, for Mike Leach. And, and Washington State is a very good team. But uh, I think for Colorado here in this spot, after they've struggled the last few weeks, you know, they, they lost uh, a close one to Washington on the road. They lost a close one to Arizona. And even, you know, to USC, they, they were up in that game early, and USC came back and beat them. The only real shameful loss is really Oregon State in this whole stretch. Uh, but I think now getting some points at home, I think that Colorado can uh, knock off Washington State. I mean, if, if not, if they keep it close, they can cover. But I think they have a shot here after uh, a tough stretch now. I think you're getting some points with them at home, I think, is beneficial. All right, and again, Washington State is another team. The argument would be all the way out west. If they win out, shouldn't they be in that top four as only a one-loss team? Now, they've got a long way to go to be able to win out, including the rivalry game with the Huskies that's coming up, and then a Pac-12 title game, theoretically, that would be after that. 
I remember they had such a great season a couple of years ago and found their way uh, in the at the end in the top 10, only to lose a couple of times, including to Washington at the end of the year in the Apple Cup game. Let's see if this year's version of Mike Leach's team can do that. Before I get into my last underdog, we haven't talked yet about Alabama flexing its muscle. Yet again, they pound LSU. I mean, Kevin, I've got some thoughts, but I'd, I'd like to have yours here as part of Three Dog uh, Thursday. Uh, wow, on, on the Crimson Tide. It, it probably could have even been worse uh, than than what it ended up, where they were winning 26 nothing, 29 nothing, whatever it was. They, they could have scored some more, I think, uh, Alabama in that game. But your thoughts on, on what you saw last Saturday night and a lot of people saw in Baton Rouge? You know, obviously, when you see Alabama open up as a 14-point road favorite at number at the number three team in the country, that that tells you something. And even though LSU had been great as an underdog this year, that you know, obviously Alabama outclasses them on so many levels. We talked about it all year with Alabama's offense that you know they finally have a quarterback. You know, I mean, years before they always had a guy that would hand the ball off and manage the game, and Tua doesn't manage the game. He just throws for mm-hmm. 300 something yards a game. You know and just doesn't throw the ball in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, when you look at what the Crimson Tide have done, I mean, the only shame about it is that this feels like it's turning into a Warriors-type thing with them, that, you know, if they end up getting to the national championship, what are they going to be laying, you know, depending on who they play? You know, will they be laying two touchdowns to whoever just because they can, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what it is. I mean, we saw last year them struggle in the national championship against Georgia before beating them in overtime. But, uh, you know, Alabama's been so dominant this year, you just have no idea who could, I mean, even if it's Clemson, who could hang with them. Yeah, I mean, you look down the games right now, the Texas A&M game, they won by 22. That's the closest anybody has been the entire season. Nobody has been within 22 points at the end of this team. You could make the argument right now, could you not, that this is the most impressive regular season at this point, maybe in the last 25 years of college football, considering the conference they play in, the bullseye on their back every week, and nobody within three touchdowns in any of the games. And, And a lot of people, including me, were curious, Saturday night environment, good defense, LSU. Will it be a close game? Was not a close game. You can you can make the argument. This is an incredible run they're on right now. Well, when you go back, I mean, I give you just a few quick examples of, of teams that ended up winning national championships that were dominant. You know, the the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. They needed a last you know minute touchdown to beat BC, or I mean, BC almost yep. tied them late, and they got that late touchdown. FSU in '99. You know, they had some close calls. In that one, when they went undefeated, Alabama has had a close call this year. You know, they've not had one game where it's come down to the end or they've needed a big comeback. They just haven't. They're up 21 nothing in the first quarter, it feels like, in every game. So that's where, really, it shows you that, you know, most of these teams that have won, you know, they'll have one game here and there that's been tough. And for Alabama, they haven't had one game that's been tough, really. Well, I, I thought of this, too, when you were talking. The, the great reference would be those USC teams of Pete Carroll in the mid-2000s. He had Matt Leinart, he had Reggie Bush, he had all kinds of NFL players. And remember, speaking of Notre Dame, Charlie Weiss and Notre Dame in Weiss's first year uh, had them dead to rights in South Bend, had had them down in the fourth quarter. Uh, what was that? Brady Quinn, Jeff Samarja, and those guys, they were winning the game, and USC had to rally, got a fourth down pass conversion from Matt Leinart to Dwayne Jarrett. Eventually, the Leinart sneak, the Bush push, pushing him into the end zone on the quarterback sneak. My point is, as great as that USC team was, as seemingly indestructible as they were, Notre Dame almost beat them that year. No one yet has almost beaten 
Alabama, the game hasn't even been a game in the fourth quarter of any of their games. Let's see if it continues. They do have Mississippi State for this week. So I will I will not go with Mississippi State, but I'll go with another SEC West team, and it involves tangentially Alabama. I'll go against LSU and go with the Arkansas Razorbacks. I can't see Kevin Rogers right now, but are you smiling or are you shaking your head when I'm taking a 2-7 and seven team at home against LSU in, in this instance? Are, are you on board with me here? Kind of a rivalry situation and a team with a losing record? Because this, uh, this is like out of the Kevin Rogers playbook, what I'm doing right now on Three Dog Thursday. I know. I like it. I know your thought process. You, you, you've been around me long enough to, to know that LSU after this bad yep. loss, now they're laying a bunch of points. How do you back them? They've been a bad favorite this year, so you, you, you've learned well. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, look, you know, Arkansas can be 2-7, and seven, but, you know, again, it was like that Vanderbilt game a few weeks ago against right. Kentucky. Oh, this right. team is terrible, all this other stuff, but that doesn't mean they can't cover. That doesn't mean they can't hang in this one game, and Arkansas has had some bad losses this year, but at the same time, though, you know, this is the, the situation where you know, they could take advantage of an LSU team that's probably a little down. And it felt like, even the same thing with Florida last week. After they lost to Georgia, what do you have to play for? You know, and yep. Missouri goes in there and beats them like that. And I hate to say it that way, but what do you have to play for now? Your season's done. Deflating. It, it really is. You can't play. Yeah, it's deflating it's for a team, and it's deflating for LSU to have lost that game and be eliminated. And look, Arkansas's offense has been better. They were bad earlier in the year uh, when they when they lost uh, to North Texas and only scored 17 points at home. Remember, North Texas clowned them with the trick field goal return or a punt return uh, in the game that everybody saw the highlight of. The next week they played Auburn. They scored three points. They were terrible at Auburn. Well, after that, the offense began to get better. They've scored at least 23 points in every one of their last four games. They've scored 30 or more in three of their last four games. I know LSU's defense is touch, uh, tough, but Chad Morris, an offensive mind, is the first-year head coach. This is like a rivalry game that we're going to see over the next couple of weeks where you throw records out because of what can happen here. That It doesn't matter that Arkansas has only won twice. They want to badly beat LSU. It makes their season if they can win this game. I know Arkansas lost to Vanderbilt last week, but they had covered the previous four. That is a bunch of points. Woo, pig suey. Give me Arkansas against LSU in this matchup coming on Saturday. All right, we're we're halfway done with Kevin Rogers. NFL picks coming up in our final segment. Kevin, stand by. Still to come with us, a special guest from the state of Louisiana. We're talking a lot about LSU. He's going to be here to talk LSU, to talk about the Saints and their success and the Saints signing Des Bryant midweek for the receiving core for Drew Brees. The rich get richer on that. Patrick Netherton will be here in just a little bit. He's got a brand new radio show in Louisiana. You'll hear about Patrick's show and he'll give us some Louisiana wisdom, maybe some blue to stay with us as we continue on Three Dog Thursday. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com for great in-your-face college theme and NFL theme tees. Go to SmackApparel.com and take 10% off with the promo code 3DOG for Three Dog Thursday. It's SmackApparel.com and the promo code 3DOG. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Oh, I'm rolling out the red carpet here on Three Dog Thursday and bringing in a friend and a colleague, as I say, from Louisiana. Here is Patrick Netherton 
who is a basketball play-by-play brother from another mother, does a great job with Northwestern State out of Louisiana doing their play-by-play. Patrick also has a new radio show that I want to tell everybody about, but I love his insight on all things, but specifically with what's going on when we talk Louisiana and football. Uh, His new show is on the station in Shreveport, 1130 The Tiger, if I have that right. It's on the AM dial, 1130 The Tiger. He's the afternoon host. He's Patrick Netherton. Good to have you back, my friend, and hang out with me here on Three Dog Thursday. Man, I'm excited, TJ. I'm I'm pleased to be with you and uh, and happy to – I understand you're really big overseas. I understand you have a huge following in Morocco. So I'm really excited to uh, to reach all of the Moroccan fans. Well, and and in all uh, counters, uh, all the quarters of the globe that have any interest yes. in dogs of any type, and in our case, it's underdogs uh, against the spread. So you got the new radio show that is starting up. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Hey, was there anything of substance or interest in football in Louisiana last weekend? Well. <laughs> One thing, I think, um, I'm pretty sure everyone in Louisiana has already forgotten the college game that went on last <laughs> week, um, or at least they want to forget the college game that went on. But yeah, it was, i tell you what, it was, uh, it was one of those unique weeks when, you know, the epicenter of both college and pro football just happened to reside in South Louisiana. Uh, it was really, really awesome. I mean, you saw great crowds, obviously, for game day that was in Baton Rouge, and then you know, the, the stadium itself was electric at LSU for the LSU-Bama game. Uh, and then you saw that kind of carry over into New Orleans. You know, if you watch the, the live pregame that ESPN did, you know, they, they actually stole our uh, the old Tim Brando show set where uh, we were the first ones that ever used that, uh, that, that square in front of Manning's in New Orleans. We were the first ones to use that as a, as a setup during the Final Four several years back. And, uh, you know, so ESPN stole our set. They had a lot more people <laughs> on hand than we did. But it was a great crowd. And then, you know, I, I love they topped it all off by even getting, uh, getting you know, the Sunshine Scooter out there to, to make the pick, the headgear pick. So uh, it was really awesome, a great weekend. And, you know, spotlights again just how massive football is and especially in the state of louisiana and especially in south louisiana i love the plug there for the old tim brando radio and tv simulcast that patrick was a part of uh with those broadcasts for years uh now doing his own thing all right so i've already talked lsu with my co-host kevin rogers in the game with alabama we know alabama wiped them out give me a thought or two on what you saw coming out of that whether it's propping alabama whether it's knocking lsu what about it um, I think you know maybe a little bit of both. Uh, there were there was a lot of talk in the last couple of days about Ed Orgeron basically calling out his his fronts on both sides, and and while he was more calling out him and his coaching staff for the lack of of talent or the recruiting that they haven't gotten done up there, I think it was uh, sort of a a way to reinforce that in the grand scheme of things. You can have the, the best scheme in the world. You can have, you know, you could have had, uh, you could have had Patrick Mahomes back there with Lincoln Riley calling plays. And the way that Alabama's front four beat LSU's offensive line, it wouldn't have mattered who you had back there. It, it, that, it just goes to reinforce the fact that in the end, and I think the NFL game also solidified that, in the end, it is the fronts that make the difference the most. You can get away with, a bad offensive line against a, you know, a weak opponent or someone that maybe you have a little bit more talent than. But if, you've, if you're equal or, or inferior to the group you're playing against, 
you have no shot. And Alabama was clearly the superior team, especially up front. And that meant that uh, that Alabama was able to come away with the win and, and did it very easily with LSU's inability to block anyone, especially Quinn and Alexander. Well, what's interesting to me, I didn't touch on this as much with Kevin, is what was Les Miles run out of LSU for after a while, not being able to win the biggest game, the Alabama game, uh, seemingly offensive struggles every year and not, not having a solid enough quarterback, and, uh, and oh, by the way, game mismanagement, clock mismanagement, not understanding situations. All of those things are still there. They couldn't beat Alabama again under Orgeron. The offense still an inconsistent mess under Orgeron. And, uh, again, game management, clock management in situations, it eludes him on a regular basis. So I don't know what's really changed other than you've just brought in another coach that, that uh, misfires in kind, of the, in kind of the same ways. Hey, Kevin and I were talking about this season for Alabama to this point. No one within 22 points of them in any of their games. Texas A&M got within 22 no nobody has played a fourth quarter where they've had a chance to tie them or beat them how ridiculous is this uh patrick as we progress along here what we're seeing from alabama well you know i i've i've likened alabama in the past to to basically fighting a boa constrictor right you think you're doing okay you, you think you're doing all right you think things are going well uh and then next thing you know you you're dead you just, you know, you, it's a slow death. A pain, it's, it's a slow death, not a particularly painful death. You just sort of go to sleep after a while, after you fought the whole time thinking you're getting somewhere. Well, slowly the boa constrictor is just suffocating you. Well, the problem is now, now that Nick Saban has embraced a modern college offense in the last several years, and he's got a quarterback capable of running it at a high level, now Alabama's like facing a viper. Right, like a like a hooded cobra, it rears back, it strikes you immediately, and then it enjoys watching you die. That's what Alabama is now. And the problem is, in the past, when it was we rely on our defense and we run the ball and we're you know I formation and, and old school pro style offense, modern you know old school college football, run the ball. That was great. You could maybe hang in if you had a good enough offense to put some points up on the board. You were fine. Now with that modern college offense that they're running, the RPOs, the spread stuff, uh, some tempo that you know Nick Saban was, was so against five, six years ago, now all of a sudden you have no shot. They're going to kill you in the first quarter and then enjoy watching you die the rest of the time. I love the snake metaphor. Have you ever owned snakes? I've known you for years. It sounds like you've owned snakes. No, uh, you just I'm, love the metaphor. I'm not a, I'm not a reptile guy. But hey, hey, TJ, here's a great boa constrictor fact. Do you know? That they don't actually kill you by suffocating you; they kill you by cutting the brain off, uh, cutting the blood off to your brain. Uh, I so understand. So they wrap around you and they suffocate you. They don't. They actually cut the, the blood <laughs> supply to your brain and then you, you die. What, what is it? What is die. it with you and like Jack Hanna now? You're like you're like Mr. Animal here, Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom or TJ, something. Let me let me show you this alligator right here. All right now, this gator has a <laughs> has a smaller, thinner <laughs> snout, so it's a crocodile, not an alligator. <laughs> Now, I, uh, I, I, you know, my head is full of just weird, random facts. I love it. So I like to bring those out from time to time. Okay, so your head wasn't apparently full of enough inside info on Des Bryant ending up with the Saints. That has happened midweek now as we're taping Three Dog Thursday. Your initial reaction to the X Factor, the X Man coming in to New Orleans and to that offense. What do you think? What I initially thought was. I don't like the fit very much. The, the longer I think about it, it, 
it makes sense. It's kind of like when Randy Moss joined the Patriots and Moss was kind of seen as a little bit of a, a troublemaker, a little bit of a wild child. And he gets in there with an established coach and an established quarterback that are the hierarchy of that team. And he fit in and he, and he performed brilliantly for, for New England. I think there's a chance of that happening with Des Bryant. My concern with Des Bryant is I don't know I don't know his football acumen, and I'm not going to say he's 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 uh, has you know uh, is is low on that end or high on that end. I don't know. I don't know anything about the man in terms of football intelligence. So I'm curious how fast he picks up that Saints offense because it is insanely complex. You know, Sean Payton's play calls are, are 15, 20, 25 words long. Uh, you know, it's not like college where they're they're giving you two hand signals and you're ready to go. I'm <laughs> I'm legitimately interested in how fast he'll pick up the offense, and then you know how quickly he can get in the mold. You know, he's not going to you know he's not going to even arrive in New Orleans until Thursday of this week to get started. You know, will he have a piece of the game plan or any of the game plan for this week at Cincinnati? Who's to say? I don't know. I think it can be a good set. And if he is anywhere near the skill set he used to be, I think it's a good pickup because, quite frankly, the other receivers for, for uh, New Orleans besides Michael Thomas have done nothing. Michael Thomas has 70 catches. The next wide receiver has 12. So they need some sort of a complimentary guy on the outside. It can't just be uh, Michael Thomas and then try to find Alvin Kamara or maybe – Ben Watson on the uh, you know from the tight end spot. They need a complimentary receiver, and if Des Bryant flashes anything like the skills he he shows for so long in Dallas, it could be the steal of the year for the Saints. Voice of Patrick Netherton, as he says, we reminisce that he was part of the Tim Brando Radio TV simulcast nationally uh, on uh, Sirius XM and, and CBS Sports Network. Patrick now with his own show, Eleven Thirty. The Tiger is the station. Go to Eleven Thirty. The Tiger for the app. It is the station in Shreveport, Louisiana, that Patrick does the afternoon show on. And I've got him on here on Three Dog Thursday talking some Louisiana and some uh, some football. Hey, you share this special story. You had a chance last year during the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. To to get to be around Drew Brees, who's a certain first ballot mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, and it was quite a moment for you, and I won't steal the stage. Uh, go, go ahead and tell the fans that are listening on 3 Dog Thursday, what was that like to be around Drew, to introduce Drew, and the whole setup? Give me the story, go. Yeah, so uh, the Independence Bowl has a luncheon every spring slash summer where you know they try to they always bring in a really good speaker. I mean, Jason Witten, Emmett Smith, Steve Spurrier has been there. Uh, Lou Holtz has been there. Bobby Bowden has been there. You know, it's a who's who of terrific uh, football minds. And this year, because the Independence Bowl was sponsored by Walk-Ons, and Drew Brees is one of Walk-Ons' owners, uh, that made a natural fit. So Drew flies up right at the start of mini camps. Uh, he flies up after a practice, uh, shows up. He, 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 we, we changed it from a lunch to a dinner. And I'm the MC of that, mostly because – no one's there to hear me. I know no one's there to hear me, and so I moved the show along. It's kind of like, so wait, wait, really if I can stop, that. it's kind of like this show with me yeah. with Kevin making the picks. I know my role. Just get out of the way and let Kevin make the picks, and I just kind of tag along. Continue on. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I know my role is not to, to talk. Well, I, I, I got a little selfish on that one because I've grown up a Saints fan. I mean, I, I you know, back in the mid-'90s, mid to late-'90s, me and my group of friends in high school, we were diehard Saints fans. I had a 
uh, I had a, a Mario Bates jersey back when Bates was the running back for the Saints out of Arizona State. You know, I mean, we we were those guys that that knew every draft pick, we knew every every guy on on, on the team, and unfortunately. TJ, growing up a Saints fan meant that you just you just watched new and more entertaining or gut wrenching ways to lose games. Uh, the Saints found so many ways. As a matter of fact, there was a game of, of, against Tampa Bay of all things where uh, the Saints had a, had Tampa Bay in a fourth and twenty seven and gave up a fourth and twenty seven on a twenty eight yard out route, and then Tampa Bay went down and kicked a field goal to win the game. So. Yep. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you grew up with as, as a Saints fan. Well, enter Drew Brees in 2005. Sean Payton comes with him. And next thing you know, the Saints are relevant. And, and never before in the Jim Everett, Wade Wilson, Heath Schuler, uh, uh, Danny Werfel, Aaron Brooks, never had, had the Saints <laughs> been in the conversation for having the quote-unquote best quarterback in the, in the NFL. They've never had that before. And then Drew Brees shows up. Then all of a sudden, the Saints start winning those games that they're used to losing. And then obviously, 09 rolls around. Uh, the Saints go to the Super Bowl. You know, Jim uh, Jim Henderson had that amazing call when they they beat Minnesota. Garrett Hartley hit the, the field goal. Uh, you know, hell is frozen over. Pigs have flown. The Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, still, still gets me choked up. I still I've got goosebumps right now, even just saying it. Um, and and that was such a turnaround. For an entire fan base that was used to the other shoe always dropping, always you know seeing the, the the glass slipper, but then it kicking them in the face, and so it was really my opportunity, and I wanted to take the opportunity to tell Drew to thank him for you know bringing hope back to an entire fan base, and for uh, you know even though we're we're in the northwest corner of the state and New Orleans is in the southeast corner of the state. Uh, you know, we, we know New Orleans. We go there all the time. We love New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is Louisiana. And so, you know, to have him turn around an entire city that way was just remarkable. And so I took the opportunity, took a little selfish moment, which I don't do in that situation, but I took about four minutes and really just thanked him and, and told him, you know, look, we want to let you know that you have brought hope back to a, a, you know, a franchise, a city, a state that hasn't had a lot of it. And then got to hang out with him a little bit after the fact. And uh, he was very gracious, spent all the time that they needed. Uh, everyone who, you know, had, had spent a little extra money to, for the VIP access, you know, he got pictures, took pictures with everyone, signed all the memorabilia. He could not have been greater in that situation, especially having just come off the practice field. How about that? Love the stories. Uh, love the insight that we get oftentimes from people like Patrick with that. And I wanted you to be able to share that about Drew Brees. And, and what a moment. And a Mario Bates jersey. Mario Bates, his friends, yeah. his family, they thank you very much for backing Mario's career. I had forgotten that he played for the New Orleans Saints and really had yeah, forgotten him. Yeah, I mean, but. look, it, it, took me a sec- it, it took me a second to re- remember his name, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you had the jersey uh, is uh, is tremendous. All right, so plug away again. If they want to hear more of you in the brand new afternoon show, when it's on, where talking Louisiana and the and the great state and the sports and the teams, go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, again the easiest way to do it is to just download the app. Go uh, go to Google Play or, or you know the iStore and the App Store and, and just search eleven thirty the Tiger. It's uh, the app is fantastic. It's crystal clear. You can get it anywhere easy to listen on your phone as we all know you know apps and podcasts and whatnot are the future of broadcasting so uh it's really uh, fantastic it's a great opportunity to hear it and 
you know, I, I talk a lot about Louisiana stuff, TJ, but I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy that uses my Rolodex from the Brando show uh, to great appeals. Like, like today, I'm going to have Mike DeCourcy, who's, you know, the, the goat when it comes to college basketball writers. Uh, or I should say yesterday, on, on Wednesday, I had uh, Mike DeCourcy. Very nice, the yes. Goat in college basketball writers and, uh, and also Peter Burns from SEC Network. So, you know, I'm trying to get national guests. I want to, to get and allow people in this area to hear some, from some people that they don't usually get to hear from. Well, that's beautiful stuff. 11.30, the Tigers of Station. Patrick Netherton is the afternoon host. Of course, we had Peter Burns on last week uh, on this very podcast talking LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, and Kentucky. And yet the more things change, the more they remain the same. It's going to be Alabama and Georgia again in the SEC title game. So have fun talking to those guys. Listen, great job with me today. Good luck with the show. Anything that you need from me, you know where to find me. This man talks everything from boa constrictors to Saints football on 1130 The Tiger in Shreveport, Louisiana. Patrick Netherton, thank you for hanging with me on Three Dog Thursday. Appreciate it, TJ. We are back in once more with senior handicapper and writer VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. He'll tell you more about Vegas Insider coming up in a little bit. We remind you, though, to partake, whether it's football or any of the sports that are going on. Great information, great nuggets. Go find them at VegasInsider.com. Find them on social media at TwitVI, T-W-I-T, TwitVI for their Twitter handle. Uh, Find Kevin, by the way, at VI Rogers. Follow this show as well at Three Dog Thursday. Reminder again, whether you found us through Radio Info, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You want to subscribe to this show uh, because, again, it comes automatically to your phone, to your iPad, uh, whenever it's updated for Three Dog Thursday. So we're interested. We're excited on all these fronts. All right, so, Kevin, uh, we turn to the pros. We turn to the NFL. Uh, We were just talking with Patrick Netherton about the Saints and the Rams. That was the big marquee game, one of them from last weekend. Do you have a quick thought on New Orleans, who just... Just, uh, I mean, after my Buccaneers got them in week one, they have been a freight train, a runaway freight train right now. And they, they outscored, outgunned, outflanked the Rams last week and are looking really good. The Saints, a thought on that game, on handing the Rams their first loss? Yeah, it was a great performance by the Saints coming off the two road wins against Baltimore, Minnesota. And, you know, I will say for the Rams that even though they dug themselves a big hole for them to come back and tie the game and hold the Saints to a field goal, you thought maybe the Rams would have stolen that one. But for the Saints, you know, like you said, they had the tough start losing to the Buccaneers, almost losing to the Browns in week two and really putting it together. And, you know, this NFC, you know, it looks like the Rams are the team to beat, but the Saints are getting that argument, you know, in that discussion. And, and the NFC will be very interesting to see who comes out of there for the Super Bowl. Yeah, no doubt that it, it I mean, Green Bay, Chicago, uh, look at the South with the Panthers, who I saw last week. Now they're playing the Thursday night game with the Steelers. The Falcons, who who midweek make a move signing Bruce Irvin, the defensive end, for the remainder of the season after the Raiders released him. Uh, speaking of which, Patrick and I were talking about Des Bryant. Um, I, you and I have talked on a couple of occasions. He elects to hold all the way until the 11th week of the season, the 10th week or the 11th week of the season, to sign a deal and sign with the Saints. And they are obviously a, a playoff-bound team. They will play the Cowboys head-to-head, which will be great drama in a couple of weeks. Uh, th- those are my thoughts. Your thought on Des Bryant and how much he can help an already talented Saints team? Well, 
as long as he doesn't mess up the chemistry there that the Saints have, you know, with their offense, and you see whoever Drew Brees plugs in, you know, we'll we'll put up some kind of numbers. But uh, you know what, the Saints must know what they're doing if they're going to grab him at this point. You know, I don't have a problem with it as long as you know he helps and, and he understands his role there. That Michael Thomas is the number one guy, and really Alvin Kamara. You see some of the numbers he gets out of the backfield from Drew Brees. It's almost like he's number two guy back there but hey you know what they're taking a risk with it and if they feel like this guy could put him over the top then you know we'll, we'll see how it shakes out but you know at least he's going to a situation that it, you know he's not going to a team that's terrible where it's like okay you're just collecting your money and it doesn't matter at least he's trying to win in a sense so I'll, I'll give him that and it'll be interesting to see how it, how it unfolds you make a great point though about team chemistry and just reference a year ago they brought in adrian peterson did the saints as a free agent running back and they they were not happy with his effort, I guess, on pass blocking, running pass routes. He got benched, remember, in the Monday night game uh, right off the bat at Minnesota. And eventually Sean Payton said, don't need the headache, don't need the hassle. We have Alvin Kamara anyway as the rookie that we'll hand the ball to, along with Mark Ingram. And they got rid of Adrian Peterson. So uh, we haven't seen the particulars on the contract at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday here. But I can't believe there's a lot of guaranteed money for the – it's only a rest-of-the-year deal. So there's probably not a lot of guaranteed money. So it's one of these that either you behave and you're part of the team concept or they'll just move on and get rid of him and and use the guys that they have. So I think that's their leverage over him doing the right thing and and being a good teammate and trying to help them win and help them contend. So there's uh, there's Des Bryant going to the New Orleans Saints for that matchup um, uh, for that team down the stretch and that matchup with Dallas will be a Thursday night standalone game against the Cowboys. There might be some ratings for that one, uh, I would think. All right, so uh, Le'Veon Bell is the other interesting one. The Steelers get the win last week. Steelers again playing Thursday night football with Carolina. You may be listening to Three Dog Thursday later in the weekend. You already know if the Steelers did great or if they didn't do great. James Conner continued to play well or didn't continue to play well for now. Conner has been an excellent replacement for Le'Veon Bell. They've barely missed him. Bell is slated to come in next week if he wants to get the year of service in terms of his uh, free agency value. He's got to come in next week. What about that situation? Still hasn't shown up. They obviously didn't uh, facilitate a trade. What, what about it there, Kevin? And is it a big deal for the Steelers at this point, or is he just an afterthought? I think he's an afterthought. I mean, you look at the play of James Conner. I think he's had one clunker this year against the Ravens the first time around. But besides that, the guy's getting over 100 yards every week, two touchdowns every week. It just feels like he's a machine back there. And, you know, for Le'Veon Bell, for as incredible as he is, you know, he's got to look at that and say, the Steelers aren't knocking down my door right now. We have a running back. We're fine. We don't need you. And the Steelers have come from a slow start towards the bottom of the division to now at the top of the division with the way Baltimore has played the last few weeks, Cincinnati's taking a step back. So the Steelers are saying, we're fine. We don't really need you. And, you know, there's always been this issue in the NFL about guys that don't want to sign a new deal. They sign the deal, then they get hurt, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know, and they end up, you know, kind of messing themselves up for the future. But, you know, you say you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And, and you know, who really wants to deal with the headache you know, if you're going to act like this. So, you know, he's kind of dug himself a hole, and I don't really know what's going to happen for him in the future. Yep, and he's obviously foregone a a ton of money for this year, but he's, I guess, willing to take the risk that he'll make some of that up with a huge signing bonus or whatever he can get next year. Then again, if that doesn't work out, and these things sometimes backfire, 
let's let's see uh, for Le'Veon Bell. And again, the Steelers play in Carolina. I saw that Panther team on Sunday. If you're listening on Thursday, we're in the preview mode of that game. Should be a very entertaining matchup in Pittsburgh. Again, if you're listening after Thursday, you already know how smart I am to say that or not uh, for the game with the Steelers. But Cam Newton and the Panthers look good at field level. They look like a playoff. I mean, the, the NFC South, again, could very well have three playoff teams with the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Could my Buccaneers get in the mix and mess it up? They play all three of those teams at home later in the year in the in the South. Let's see what happens if the Bucks can play a role in that uh, as well. All right, we each need one more underdog to round things out on Three Dog Thursday. You first, Mr. Kevin Rogers. What do you like? You know, I thought last week that uh, of all the games in, in the NFL, I, I did like Atlanta. And I thought that was a good spot for them against Washington. The Falcons, you know, lost a couple close games, and that the Redskins kind of play over their head. And, you know, the Falcons came up with a really big road win as an underdog against the Redskins. Now Atlanta's going to Cleveland, and we know what the Browns are, what kind of mess they've been. Hugh Jackson fired, Todd Haley fired, just everybody knows about this team now. And they're coming off losses the last two weeks to Pittsburgh and Kansas City, two quality AFC teams. And, and Atlanta's a quality NFC team. But I just think that in this situation, the Falcons now a second straight road game where they had struggled in their first few road games to begin the season with losses to the Eagles and the Steelers. They come back and win last week. Now you're laying points on the road where everyone is now kind of like on your bandwagon again with Matt Ryan, with Julio Jones, who finally scored a touchdown. But I think the Browns here, you know, defensively, they've had some lapses the last few weeks against who they played, and it's going to be tough again this week against Atlanta. But, you know, I'd like to see if the Cleveland team from the first few weeks of the season that really stepped up and played well, if they can do something in this game. And also Baker Mayfield facing a not-so-great Atlanta defense that I think the Browns here are worth a shot as as a home underdog, seeing if they can revert back to what they were in the first six weeks of the season. Well, and keep, keep in mind here that Cleveland has found a way to win some games earlier in the year at home. As you were mentioning, they did have the tie with Pittsburgh. They did have the win over the Jets. They did have the win over the Ravens that was in overtime. Um, and and look, I realize I work for an NFL team and coaches are, are hired to be fired all the time in pro sports across the board. I mean, let's skip sports. If Joel Quinville, the Chicago Blackhawks coach that Kevin, last time I checked, he won three Stanley Cups in Chicago. All right. There are coaches that coach their entire life and don't even get a chance to coach and play for the Stanley Cup. He won three of them in Chicago here in the 2000s. They fired him earlier this week. If you need any other indication that uh, you're, you're hired to be fired in pro sports, you are. But Hugh Jackson has been on everywhere on the TV, uh, ESPN, NFL Network. Uh, I, I know he was on Fox Sports Radio and Colin Cowherd show uh, midweek as well. It's almost everywhere except Rachel Ray and the Food Channel that Hugh Jackson's been on. The man won three games over the last two and a half seasons. He can try to act like it wasn't him or his doing uh, with his staff and his hire. You won three games, and I know that's your point too. He won three games the last three years, and maybe Kara, maybe, maybe the, the Browns will be better with a fresh voice in Greg Williams, a new offensive coordinator, and eradicating that, and maybe they'll win a couple of games late in the year here. I mean, I don't know if I'll go that far with it, but uh, yeah, it, it's true that you know this uh, Browns team, you know, had potential. There is some talent on it. 
But, uh, I mean, I still go back to Hugh Jackson. You bring that up. I mean, my goodness. You know, I don't know how you, do, you don't get fired for going 0-16. Like, that, that, that is beyond my comprehension how, you know. I, that, saw, I, mean, I, I saw the stat. There have been 219 NFL head coaches, and this may be in the modern era, but the number is 219. 219 coaches in the modern era of the NFL. Hugh Jackson's winning percentage is 218. So there's only, I don't know who the one guy is. There's only one worse. I know we're piling on him, but hey, it's a lot of losing. It's a lot of losing uh, for the Browns. That's that's for sure. All right, so you will go with the Browns and against the Falcons. I like a team coming off a bye that is playing another team coming off the bye in Indianapolis. I will take Jacksonville at the Colts getting three points. At the time that we are talking, it is still uncertain as to whether Leonard Fournette will come back from the hamstring injury. Uh, Kevin, uh, I'll go ahead and tee it up. Uh, you want to go ahead and ask me how bad has Jacksonville's offense been without Leonard Fournette over the course of the last four games? You want to go ahead and uh, ask me that? Yeah, how bad has Jacksonville's offense been without Leonard Fournette? Kevin, this is why I love you as a partner on Three Dog Thursday, because you ask the pertinent questions. Thank you very much for that. Uh, how about the Jaguars' offense has been so bad that they've scored a grand total of 46 points in four games. They have three games where they've had one offensive touchdown. So it's been bad. However, Fournette may very well be back. This helps set up play action for Blake Bortles, which he's missed. They've had the week off after they lost in London to regroup. I think they're still good defensively. I know Andrew Luck has won a couple of games uh, recently before their bye week, but I think they could harass him. I know Jacksonville won the two meetings last year without Luck because he was injured with the shoulder going against other quarterbacks, but I will take the Jaguars on the road here to bounce back. They're, they have an outside shot to get back in the AFC playoff picture. They have this game. They have next weekend's home game with the Steelers to try to start making up some ground and get back to 500. I think Jacksonville will win this game at Indianapolis. I am touting the Jaguars this week with everybody. Here, here we go again. Everybody probably pointing at them, counting them out. Forget them, disregard them. I think the Jags... We'll uh, we'll get after it. We'll put it on them. Uh, we'll put it on the Colts uh, for this weekend. Let's find out. We will see. All right. So there we go with our underdogs, Kevin. As I made mention earlier, great information and everything going on every which direction right now in sports. And you guys have got it covered at Vegas Insider, sir. We do college basketball now underway. I mean, we saw how Duke is probably going to win the national championship now. I mean, who knows? Goodness. But. Uh, we saw college basketball has now started, college football, a few weeks left in the regular season before we get to the conference championships and the bowl season, NFL, we're now at the second half of the season, NBA rolling on, NHL rolling on, and even the CFL playoffs are starting up this weekend, so there's a lot going on inside of I noticed sports. you did not take the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as part of Three Dog Thursday. Continue. Yes. I did not. I, I decided to pass on them this week. Uh, but there's a lot going on, and this and November really is just the busiest time of year for us, you know. And you could say, you know, again to December with the bowls, but really in November with with everything going on, it's just extremely busy. But it, but it's also a lot of fun. So there's a lot of opportunities out there, and there are games every single day all across the board in sports everywhere. You have matching on Tuesday and Wednesdays in college football. So there's just so much to to talk about and to wager on. Check us out at VegasInsider.com. Pretty much anything you want for football, for the basketball, it's all there. The free odds, 
the picks, the articles, it's all there. VegasInsider.com. Also, check us out on Twitter at TwitVI. And again, follow this man at VI Rogers. We'll always love the insight of Kevin Rogers here on Three Dog Thursday. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Uh, as, as once again, we'll go over the underdogs here. Keep in mind, in college, 10 of the last 11 weeks, Kevin and I have each given you at least one underdog, two underdogs combined. And in four of those 10 weeks, we've given you three or more of the underdogs. Let's see what happens with Maryland against Indiana. Kevin likes them in the two points. Colorado at home getting five and a half with Washington State with Wazoo. And Kevin also likes the Cleveland Browns on Sunday against the NF against the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL. I'll go Michigan State to outright upset Ohio State this weekend and upset the Big 12 or the Big Ten's plans to get into the college football playoff. Let's see. Uh, everybody's pointing to that Ohio State-Michigan State game or the Ohio State-Michigan game as two teams with one loss. I don't know that it's going to get there. Big Ten wants that. We'll see. I like Michigan State, though, at home with Ohio State. I will also take Arkansas against LSU for the reasons that we discussed uh, earlier in the program. I know they're a heavy underdog. I know they're 2-7. and seven. I'll still take them. And the Jaguars against the Colts this weekend as underdog number three out of the NFL. Kevin, did you have fun, as always, as, as November rolls on here on Three Dog Thursday, sir? It's Brock Vember. Still is. It's Big still, win last week for the still Dolphins. Still is for the Dolphins, who are above 500 yeah. headed to Green Bay. I noticed you didn't take them on Three Dog Thursday. Just yeah, be careful. You're right. I didn't, t- with you're the, right. I didn't take them. With the ones he stays away from, just be careful on that, too. Process of elimination uh, on this, too, with Kevin Rogers. Listen, have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. You got it. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper Vegas Insider. Also, Patrick Netherton with us with his brand new radio show there in Louisiana. Love his insight from Cajun country being with us as well. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. We're back next week with another edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. I will say this. I said it last week. LSU is not a top five team, has never been a top five team all year long. The film doesn't say so. The offense has never been all that impressive. Yes, they beat Miami, not a very good team. Yes, they beat Auburn on the road, not a very good team. You know, that was a close game. Had some calls go LSU's way or else that's a potential loss. It still wasn't what I would call a great offensive performance, although they did make a couple of offensive plays and people get excited. What do people do? They overreact. Beginning of the year, the same LSU team that everybody, you know, hey, they're going to be 6-6. Six and six. There's no one that knew anything about football thought this team was a 6-6 six and six team. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.